So hello and welcome. Uh, my name is Steve Pugh and what I try and do most kind of Mondays, I say most, it's never all of them, uh, is basically introduce you to interesting people I think can help your kind of business or career. Uh, I'm speaking to Doug today and we're going to talk about his journey and what he's been through in his business and podcasting and golf and lots of kind of different stuff. Um, and basically we have the Growth Strategy Podcast. This all gets clipped up and goes onto YouTube and iTunes and stuff. But what I essentially try and do is introduce you to uh, interesting people that can hopefully help your kind of business or career. That actually we talk about their real story and what they were like at school and how they kind of went through their journey. Just because different people at different points in their own journey can hopefully resonate with it um if you want to send abuse to doug or myself write it in the comments it will kind of pop up and i'll bring it in as kind of comments um and yeah hopefully in the next kind of 40 or so minutes it might be interesting uh, if you miss this you can catch up afterwards or catch up on youtube or whatever um but yeah hopefully join us and any questions just reach out so doug i'm just going to bring you in there we go so everyone can now see you and hear you hello perfect we've done the hard bit um, <laughs> so how has your valentine's day been did you get many cards uh i mean i woke up next to my lovely partner so that was enough for me we actually managed to sneak out on friday and did a date night thing on friday for the first time and we were trying to do dry jam so trying to we haven't really done a lot to be honest all the way through <laughs> we kind of did valentine's on friday night so that was quite good fun no it's awesome i get the impression at school you're one of these boys that sent up four or five to uh <laughs> <laughs> just cover your bases you know uh, no never uh did i i probably did do that but i've wiped it from my memory i think so no cool i was gonna say it's always funny that when you look back and so i'm 38 now and i just feel old as anything that it's almost when all these youngins going out in the town and doing, it's like i'm too old for it now like yeah, i work well, hard I go to bed <laughs> yeah, i'm 37 so similar sort of age and we actually went we, we ended up going into a bar which is actually just off the road from the office here and I think there must have been an 18th birthday party in there because we walked in and we just like immediately we should not be in here. You know, we're not welcome. So I took to the UV and went back out. So would you be happy to give like a 30 second kind of intro just to who you are to kind of set the scene? And then what we're going to do is go back to obviously we'll talk about the business. We're going to talk about golf and talk about podcasts and lots of different kind of stuff. But actually what I always find interesting is to kind of dig back into people's backstory, but like a quick summary on who you are, what you do. Where, where I am now. Sort of where thing. you are now, yeah. Um, so my main job is managing director of White Digital. So uh, that's what I do for four days a week or whatever. Um, we're a team of 14, soon to be 15, actually just been interviewed today. Yeah. Um, web design and digital marketing, mostly focus on like the organic ranking side of things, but we also do do Dublin to paid stuff as well. Um, so that's four days of the week. The other day of the week, I, I'm essentially managing director as well of a property, like a service accommodation management business up in Newcastle called Properties Unique as well. Oh, cool. um, but we've got a general manager in there and a senior management team and they day-to-day -day run the thing. So I don't really have to do too much in that. Uh, and then I've got a few holiday lets and some service accommodation buildings around as well. Oh, true there. entrepreneur. See, it's great this because like we said before we came on, I like to not know the answers to the stuff I'm going to hate. One of my pet peeves is when you see podcasts, it's all pre-rehearsed and it's like, yeah. I like not knowing the answer because actually that's what makes it interesting. And that, yeah. But yeah. by the sounds of it as well, you know, you're someone that isn't afraid to do different things, try different things because you know, you've got different fingers in different pies. Yeah, I think like the service accommodation digital media, like the same poles apart from one another, you know, <clears throat> and then, you know, but there are actually some common threads running through the whole thing. And, you know, I've garnished quite a lot of knowledge in the whole web design and development and digital marketing space over the years now, but it was never really my like core, mm -hmm. like passion sort of thing. And um, so, you know, 
a lot of the skills that I've learned in White Digital, I've actually ended up managing to like take off and go over to properties unique and start doing things over there as well, which so actually worked quite well. Yeah, cool. Well, we can dig into that, hopefully. Um, so one of the things I like to do is almost go back into people's backstory and get a feel for what they were like at school and that kind of thing. Because often you, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs have very similar traits about what they were like, maybe a little bit cheeky, a little bit naughty. What were you like at school? Yeah, a little bit cheeky and a little bit naughty. <laughs> um, I was at, yeah, I mean, I, I think I actually remember having the kind of, the goal at school to just try and be the naughtiest boy at school was really my goal, I think, at that stage. Um, so yeah, I was, but I was dyslexic as well. Or I am dyslexic, although I don't really notice it at all anymore. Um, so I don't know if maybe that was kind of a factor to me, kind of mm-hmm. not really getting on with that kind of learning environment, sat in a classroom and sort of type learning. It never really fit me, I don't think. Um, Did you grow yeah, up in Borough? No, I actually, well, I'm Scottish originally. <laughs> well, the surname kind of hinted it, but I wasn't sure, yeah, so I thought I'd yeah. ask. Um, so I was quite happy a couple of Saturdays ago when Scotland beat England in the rugby, you know, that I, I managed to go out for a, a good week or so on that one, and I might carry on. Um, so I was Scottish originally. I was actually almost Pakistani. My mum almost had me in Pakistan and then managed <laughs> to make, back, make it back to the UK to have me in Scotland. Uh, along with my brothers as well. Uh, so I'm from Dumfries and grew up there. And then my dad actually was managing director of Wesso in Darlington, which is like oh, quite a big manufacturing company yeah. in Darlington. And we moved to the area and then I went to Barnard Castle School and and that was us kind of set really. So yeah, I've been here since I've got six, but oh, cool. I've kind of lost my Scottish accent. I wish I kept it now, to be honest with you, but yeah. Because one of the things I noticed actually when I put out the post to do saying that we were going to do this, was that uh, you're obviously a very popular chap and people are like oh yeah it'd be great and actually what was quite funny is that for someone that does this and we're going to get into podcasts later you kind of yeah. want someone that's got a bit of bounce that someone can actually bounce off of you because otherwise yeah. it can be pretty soul destroying where you're <laughs> trying to bring energy and nothing's coming back and there isn't coming back yeah. and you're just like for fuck's sake <laughs> <laughs> and then again but because you do it live that you can't have another go at it you know and it's, uh, but, but for me that makes it better it's just it's more authentic that it's it's fine yeah. it's different yeah um, i mean we've been looking at doing ours and i'm trying to avoid the live thing if i possibly can you know um just in case something something out of the ordinary happens you know whatever. Yeah, but that's but the fun of maybe, it. That, maybe it's the, the fun of having that in you know um, so out of interest might as well talk about it now what's the the dream i know we spoke back in was it december you came here on my yeah. podcast what is it yeah. you want to do and create and um, so uh, through the podcast thing, it was just, it was literally a, a case of, you know, we were wanting to like give our network an opportunity to be able to like kind of meet a, a wider world. Like, although we kind of, we do a lot of creative stuff in the web agency, writing code isn't really particularly interesting, to be honest with you. Like, and there's only so many little videos you can do of making a cup of coffee or you can do of whatever, you know, you know, there was a while there where we actually looked like a doggy daycare centre because everybody here has got a dog. So it was a picture of a dog every two days as well. So we wanted to try and do something where, um, you know, you actually provide an actual value through the content that you were kind of put, putting out into the world rather than it just being a puff piece of something that didn't really matter too much. So there was a big piece around that. Um, and then we've actually got a space. So our office it used to be a bar and we left the bar in and we've still got the cellar room, which is a function cellar room. Mm-hmm. Um but it's not really being used at the moment, apart from a dumping ground for rubbish, as it turns out. So we're, we're going through the process of kind of doing all that out and, and squaring it away and to be able to use that space properly. Um, so it's really just a chance to 
yeah, start moving in the podcast world and just seeing what it's all about, really. What's was... really interesting about it is the moment you say, oh, we're going to do a podcast, next thing you're like, God, I've got a list of things to solve and problems to solve and questions to answer now. And I'll give you a, a clue, it never stops. I bet. <laughs> and then, because yeah. the, the, the funny thing is, the, the, so I started off in my spare bedroom at home yeah. with like no lights, I think. Maybe I had two lights in a window. Yeah. And then you fast forward a year and a half and you don't, or you've been to this room, but almost... It, yeah. it gets more and more complicated but actually because you're trying to get the quality for me as good as possible yeah and then i had a chat with someone this morning and i guess the beauty of it is is that for you your personality your team you could interview the same person because i know uh you know ashley king um, yeah she's... so been spending a lot of time with ashley she actually came down she's going to help us put the podcast together oh, cool. but yeah. the but the point is if me you and ashley all interview the same person because of our background, our knowledge, our expertise, what we're interested in, they're all actually going to be different stories. Yeah. yeah. That actually all three of us have the trait where we're not afraid to talk to people. And it's that kind of thing. But, you know, for any kind of business or anyone, it's the ability to actually create content and, you know, stay relevant and stay on people's radar without kind of like pissing people off and shouting about. Because, you know, one of the things I really learned was almost it's it's trying to make it as much about you as possible because that way you can interview well 50 people a year yeah but it doesn't get boring it doesn't get stale and it's that kind of thing it's fascinating to do but then problems come up with bandwidth and streaming and just yeah. it See, is all of that is just straight over the top of my head you know a bit and less so now than it was back in december when i came and saw you so thank you for the help by the way because you definitely gave me a good like start of the tear but i think that was the main thing with ah so you know, there's, we, we didn't want it to be a digital marketing podcast or like a web design podcast or like any kind of light around the subject because I just feel like that gets too narrow. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the other side of that is, is the further you move like into any kind of business, the more you realize that like someone getting a new website, for example, they're not buying that new website because they want a new website. They're buying that website because they want yep. like an effect from it, like they need another thing. So it's very rarely... The new website that they're actually interested in to one degree or another they don't massively care a lot of the time what the website looks like as long as they get the effect that they want out of it mm -hmm. and i think it's the same thing well i hope it's going to be the same thing with the podcast much like you're doing when you're actually talking to a human being about that mm -hmm. like that's the interesting part of it like about what they're trying to do and things like that so similar sort of focus but it should be you know we'll see Hopefully with a glass of wine in people's hands while they're doing it. But because like that. that was one of the things we spoke about last time, it might struggle to take off in the Middle East, for instance, but if that's not your target market, it, it doesn't really matter. But again, yeah. but that's the nuance and stuff that you can do to create what your dream is. And it's yeah. like, for instance, the inside cover, well, some of the colors in my book match that wall and having yeah. a sign. But the point is, it's how you can personalize it to make it yours and different and stuff. And it's, yeah. it's fun. And then likewise, yeah. how you can then take and repurpose that content. So, I now post about 12 videos a week to YouTube. So I do this live, I do my Friday yeah. mornings, but then this I'll probably go into like five or six separate videos to do with different stuff. Mm. And it's just, you know, YouTube's the world's second biggest search engine and it's just doing it every week. I love talking to people. I have a guy called David, hi David, that's gonna edit this up. <clears throat> but actually that is a way that for me, I work for myself to, yeah. you know, achieve profile I could never do by myself, you know, without this, yeah and it's it's a weird thing because if i'm brutally honest i like thought about doing the podcast years ago like it was brought up donkeys donkeys years ago but weirdly I, I never really felt like i was in the position i was ready to do it or anything mm -hmm. like that whereas now i'm i'm in a stage where 
you know, we've got Ashley coming in to help us and mm-hmm. um, set the whole thing up. We were actually talking about like hiring a podcast manager, like to do all the things that you've just spoke about there. So it's just, you know, to make sure we've kind of got a producer there. So the questions mm-hmm. are organized and everyone's got a cup of tea when they come or a glass of wine or whatever it might be, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it's all these tiny little things like, that you don't think about until you're like, oh God, actually we need to get this organized. And all of a sudden it's just tons of questions. So yeah, we'll cool. see. If the first one's dreadful, I apologize. Honestly, that. my first one was dreadful and actually was my first guest. But really? at least if if you have someone on that's kind of, you know, so I've done about 90 of these so far. Yeah, if yeah. it's an absolute car crash, have someone that's not going to, you don't feel awkward with in case yeah. it turns into a shit storm. <laughs> and it's just because it could, you could have, I've had loads of stuff go wrong over the years that you can't predict. Yeah. And it is what it is, but it's, um, I, I enjoy it. You'll, it. you'll learn a lot from it. And I think it'll be, it'll be an interesting journey. Ah, sorry. Ashley's just commenting on YouTube as well. But uh, she really? Yeah. No comments. Right. She's worried about spoilers, but we, uh, we'll say no more. Say no more. <laughs> um, so when you're at school, uh, did you go to college? Did you, did you go to uni? What did you kind of get up to? After um, that? So I, I actually was expelled from school. Um, what did you? I, I've, I've, I've got a story. Everyone asked this question, and I really wish it was something cool, and it wasn't. I think I got caught smoking like eight times in a week or something <laughs> like that, and they were like, right, you're just taking the mickey now. I think it was a culmination of like the accumulation, sorry, of, of numerous things, and I think it's just they were just like, okay, it's time for you to go sort of thing. But, the, um, but on that topic, so for instance, I almost got expelled once. And it was really funny because I've said this on the podcast before, but because I wasn't, it was never picked up that I was short-sighted, ironically, until I went to uni. So I used mm-hmm. to sit at the back of the class with all the cool kids, but I could never see the board. So therefore, when you're in the class, I was actually quite good at the stuff, but I get bored because I couldn't see what was going on and get distracted. Yeah. And, whatever. and then because I used to kind of mess about and dick about a little bit, I used to love like design tech class, you know, where CDT, I think it used to be called, yeah, where you'd yeah, make yeah. stuff and you'd use glue and Stanley knives and whatever. I remember once, I won't go into detail because it'll end up on the front of the Daily Mail in 10 years, but it was almost where there was an instant once, which was just Bantz at the time. And luckily it didn't Bantz, go anywhere. Bantz can get away. You can get with anything though if it's just Bantz, can't you? Yeah, but the point is my entire life path could have been completely different if that one particular thing, which nobody knows about, went slightly different. And it yeah. was just, so trust me, I've been there. I empathise. So what did you do next? Um, so after that, I actually went to college in Darlington, but I didn't really last very long there. I wasn't really too, too like kind of, um, engaged is maybe the way to, to put it. So I actually went and started working, had the odd little odd job here and there, you know, and started doing things. I worked in a farmers and builders merchant selling copper pipe and bits of steel and things like that. Uh, and then I started running the pub. So I was running the pub in Barney when I was like 18 I was running the Redwell and Barney like the bar side of that quite enjoyed that like that kind of fit fitted a gregarious kind of character and it, you know and funny enough when I look back I was already doing like cash flow forecast trying to get my own bar together and I was going to do a snooker hall or a pool hall or something like that and I was already kind of quite entrepreneurial although I never really had the drive to kind of go and do it um and then I'd always sailed my entire life and windsurf and things like that so i went and learned how to become a windsurf instructor and a sailing instructor and how to teach people how to drive speedboats and things mm-hmm. like that and then i went off to the south of france and did that in the south of france for for a while and and then managed to blag my way into university and did a coaching degree at university in leeds so um so somehow made it to uni without any a levels but so it was it was leeds beckett though to be fair <laughs> it was it was yeah it was the poly 
it was a poly or whatever. No, but the, the funny thing is, is and I only know that because with um, so I, I was captain of the basketball team at Sheffield, and we, we used to play all the northern. So we'd actually go up to Newcastle, but it was uh, Sheffield, Leeds, all of the Leeds unis, uh, yeah. Sunderland, Hull. Newcastle, Northumbria, and basically when we used to play, particularly in the Cup Leeds, Beckett's sports uni, we used to get smashed. I mean, yeah. like absolutely destroyed. Yeah, uh, it was just I'm still bitter now. Twenty years. <laughs> I later. can feel it coming through the screen. But, but again, but when we were just talking about banter before, that's the kind of thing that I love. Just you love being able to just pick on little different things that kind of yeah. Happen. But yeah, what, and, what, that, and that was that was actually the big pull for for Leeds, um, Carney, uh, Leeds Metropolitan. It was called when I was there. I'm trying to remember the name of the uni I went to for a while. Um, it, I have always been very sporty, so it was always rugby for me was like my big thing. Um, and funny enough, I didn't play for the university when I was at uni. I actually played for a local team when I was down there. I played for uh, West Park Leeds, I played for when I was down there, um, who my little brother played for, who was at Leeds Uni at the time. So he went to the proper uni while I went to the, the poly. Um, you know, the one um, thing that put me off Leeds, and you'll find this hilarious because we're about the same age, it's, it was the ring road. So, oh, so me and my I brother, I go down now. we drove across from Liverpool to Leeds and we went for the open day as you do. And honestly, that fucking ring road. <laughs> and I was like, screw it. Because actually, yeah, Leeds was my second choice after Sheffield. But really? it was, it's, a, it's a good city. But the, the... It's brilliant. I mean, I stayed there. So I was at uni for four years in the end and I stayed on for probably another two, three years and lived with my girlfriend at the time in Chapel Allerton. Uh, and then moved to London when I started caddying because um, I thought I needed to be near. We're going to go into that in a second. Yeah, because I thought I needed to be near Heathrow and Gatwick and all this kind of stuff. Turns out it didn't need to be there at all. And then after that, I actually moved back to Leeds and lived in the city centre for a year or so before I moved back up to like Darlington kind of area. Um, but it's what a city. I, don't, I wouldn't have wanted to go anywhere else for uni. No. I can't remember much of it, but it was really good fun when I was there. So you know? I must have, when I was doing my prep, for the kind of interview I, I like to look through people's linkedin and just get a vibe what's the golf thing i've got to yeah. I, are, you, are you even good at golf i mean it's, i didn't oh, know okay it what? depends what yardstick you're using to measure me against you know <laughs> like i can make contact with the ball uh, i play off a one handicap now so, okay. like, so you're a little bit good i'm okay at it yeah i'm okay at it i wasn't when i caddied so my brother fortunately was a very very good golfer and he played on the european tour and still mm -hmm. does now uh, he had a tough time with injuries and things like that. Um, but I mean, he came, I played a couple of games of golf with him over Christmas and I was giving him a little bit of grease saying like, you know, don't forget your wallet and all that kind of stuff, you know, like, and, um, I didn't make it to the 14th tee. Like he absolutely hammered me. Mm -hmm. So he's still exceptionally good golfer now. So I was really fortunate that, um, that he was a good golfer and I finished university. I went and did one more season teaching windsurfing and sailing over in Egypt. Mm -hmm. um, and I loved doing that. It was yeah. brilliant, brilliant way to make a living. Um, but um, it wasn't, you can never really make much of a living out of it. You know, it was always kind of like very, very frugal kind of lifestyle. So I finished that and Rob offered me, offered, asked me if I wanted to go and caddy for him. I didn't really have anything better to do at the time. So I was just like travel around the world and, walk around fields i thought yeah i can do that so so for anyone that doesn't know can you explain what a caddy actually does uh, a glorified waiter <laughs> it's, a, it's 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 such a weird job you you're 50 percent waiter making sure that the clubs are there and that they're clean and the bags got everything that needs to be in it that you're on time that he knows how far he's got to the hole and where the wind is and all that kind of stuff 
making sure the bunker's raked afterwards mm-hmm. and all that. And then, you know, part coach, part psychologist, part ag- agony aunt, part little brother, part older brother, part like, it's just the weirdest little role. And it's a real trade. Like you have to yeah. learn it, like learn any kind of trade. Uh, and I was not very good when I first started caddying, to be honest with you, you know. I'd so do you have to like off. study the course and get a feel for, you know, the best you, line? You were supposed to do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. And I did, at the at the start of my caddying career, I did a lot because I didn't know the courses. I'd never been there. But then towards the end, I think I, I actually, I've always said 10 years, but I think I actually did it for eight or nine years. I counted it the other day. And after that long, you kind of, you've been to that course before, you know where not to hit it. So you might as well just go and have a pint instead of go and walk the course, you know? So, so after a while you get quite good at it and, and like any kind of skill or any kind of trade, you get better at it. You get, so in the end, I ended up being quite a good caddy, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Can I ask who, is there anyone famous, well-known that you've caddied for apart from your brother? I got, I got sacked a lot, Steve. So there's, the list is long, do you know, like, <laughs> Um, but I, I mean, any like golf fans will probably know. I mean, at the end, I carried for a chap called David Lipsky, who's now on the PGA Tour. He was a really nice guy. Had a bit of a falling out at the, the WGC in China um, over, a, over a wind direction and never really recovered from that moment sort of thing. Uh, and then before that, I carried for a guy called Johan Carlson, big Swedish guy, looked like a Viking, long blonde hair, exceptionally attractive guy. But still friends with him now. Um, Caddy for him for two and a half years. Before that, I've caddy for a guy called Thomas LeVay, mm-hmm. who's a Ryder Cup player, French Ryder Cup player, so golf golf perverts will know who he is, sort of thing. Uh, and then before that, there was a there was a long list, but no, most notably my brother. Yeah. And still to this day, like one of the best players I've seen play golf, my brother. So it's like I was I was awfully fortunate to have a sibling that was so good at golf. No, oh, cool. It's fascinating. And what I love is almost how eclectic your career and path has been. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but almost when you then start your business, it's so different. And obviously you've got different businesses yeah. that you're involved in. Yeah. Almost the ability to think on your feet and blag things and sell things and find your way through is surprisingly important. Yeah, I think there's like, I mean, it might be a bit of a magpie kind of syndrome thing almost, you know, like, I th- well, maybe maybe through my twenties, it maybe was a little bit. I never really had much of a like path. I was just kind of go go wherever the wind would take me, sort of thing, you know. Um, and things happened, and opportunities arose, and I, I kind of took one and didn't take another, and whatever. But what was really interesting is is the whole way through that, I was always trying to start businesses. It's mm-hmm. actually the one thing that's actually kind of always rung true through everything, you know. When I was at the pub, I was trying to start my own pub. When I was uh, teaching sailing and windsurfing out in Egypt, I was trying to sell the, the old centre windsurf boards and kit back in the UK on eBay. That didn't work. <laughs> I think I still owe eBay about 400 quid, actually. You know, I couldn't mention it, but I probably should have said that on my <laughs> the afternoon. Um, so how did you kind of get round to starting the business? Um, it actually, so White Digital, I mean, White Digital was probably the fourth proper bona fide business that I actually tried to start. Um, and I was working for, I took a bit of sabbatical from Cadian for about six months or something like that and started working for a friend's web agency um, that I didn't realise when I started working there, but it was actually already struggling. Okay. Um, and they, they struggled to pay me and things like that. And I, I carried on until... 
the January of 2015 when I decided that I was going to kind of go on my own. I set up my own business uh, in the February, which is now White Digital. And had, I think I'd worked out that I had five months or something of money built up and I had this like, I've got five months to make it work. And uh, I went broke <laughs> after five months. And I, there was a moment, it was just before my 30th birthday actually, where I had uh, no money in the bank, no one owed me any money, no cash was coming in. I had to borrow some money off my mum to pay for my car insurance, which at 30 years old mm-hmm. is not really where you want to be. Um, so I got a job in a pub pulling pints in Darlington so I could afford to pay rent and whatnot. And, uh, and I remember going to the pub and I said, like, I want no responsibility. I just want to come in. I don't want any, uh, like, weekday shifts. I want evenings and weekends and nothing else. And give me the bar manager's job, which I really <laughs> didn't want at all. Uh, and I did evenings and weekends, and I would basically do nine to five, if you want to buy a website, and then in the evenings, I'd go and pull pub pints in the pub. I love that. that, it, what, it's that I think people often miss that they think the first, how long, was, it, was that like the first two years doing the business? Or? So I did, I, I went broke after about six months or so. I did the work in the pub, and I was only probably in the pub for like two months or something. Okay. And then I got offered a job caddying. Okay. And I was like, well, I can make good money, money caddying. You know, I won't be having to borrow money off my mum to pay rent or anything like that. So I went back to the caddying thing. But then I did the caddying and yeah. and white digital through the early stages for two, two and a half years, maybe, okay. where I was kind of caddying in the morning and flogging websites in the afternoon. But I, my one of the big things that I've taken is so much serendipity that's involved. Mm-hmm. There's, there, there is, but there's luck everywhere and you just have to be in the right place to find it. But there is a lot of serendipity involved. And what was really lucky is when I was caddying, I was caddying on the European tour. The European tour is essentially the world tour. It doesn't very often go to America apart from for majors. So you're almost always like east of the UK. So you're ahead in time zone. So you'd be in Dubai, say, and you'd be caddying from 7 a.m. till 12 o'clock in Dubai. You'd be back at your hotel by... One, which is 10 a.m. in the UK. So you could get a shower change, sat at your desk in your hotel and uh, and do a full day's work back in the UK while you're over in Dubai and no one would know them the wiser. So you're actually managing to fit two full days into one and, you, you know, it's no real skin off your nose to do so. But that's real proper hustle. That's, yeah, but also fortunate I had that opportunity where I could do that sort of hustle, yeah. you know. Yeah, but then you're still working later afterwards. But oh, this yeah. is the thing that people often yeah. miss is that with, you know, so 80% of my week is doing stuff for other people. Yeah. That actually I'm, I'm now getting better at finding that balance. But I think people always think that you start a business doing something, websites, that actually you'll be able to make money quite easily without having to do all the side hustles, the pub, whatever, stuff for other people. But yeah. often it does take time to get traction. So how did you almost find the first kind of two, three years of getting the business off the ground? I mean, tough at the start, like really tough, like banging your head against a bit. I always describe it like trying to get a boulder moving. Mm-hmm. Like it's like you've got this massive boulder and you can drop your shoulder into it and shove as hard as you want, but it will not budge. And it, even when it starts moving, it's so mm-hmm. imperceptible, the amount that it's moving, it feels like it's not going anywhere, you know? But if you keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing, eventually that boulder gets a little bit of momentum and you can get it going. After a while, the boulder's got so much momentum, you probably don't want to get in the way of it because it's not going to end well. But when it gets there, all you're kind of doing is nudging it from the sides just to try and keep it on the right path. And that's probably the best analogy that I kind of ever came up 
with for it, but it was it wasn't easy. Like it was really hard, and and I was think back to then, and I remember I wanted to be the size that I am now back mm-hmm. then. And I look back, I'm like, there's no way on God's green earth I could have made it work. You know, like I didn't have the management skills, I didn't have any leadership skills, I didn't understand business strategies. There's so many things I didn't know. So actually, it's kind of like you only get what you can handle at the time that you can handle it. And even though you might want to be up here, you actually need to be here because you need to learn mm-hmm. the lessons to get to to get to that stage. Okay. So in a weird sort of way, it needs to take time and it needs to be hard. Otherwise, you won't appreciate it when it finally gets there and you won't have the skills that you need when you finally get there, you know? So you've just given me an awesome like two minute sound clip, which is going to get clicked. <laughs> we turn this into like a, a four or five minute like highlight bit. If right, it's a really okay. bad guest, it'll be like sub two minutes, but yours. <laughs> right. What's my goal, Wednesday? <laughs> I'm not sure. Five minutes as long as it's less than 10 minutes. Otherwise, LinkedIn doesn't let you post native clips of more than 10 minutes. Right. Okay. But nobody's ever got near that. But it's, but the, what you're always looking for is little nuggets of gold that comes out the guest's mouth. That yeah. In my head, I'm like, oh, this is good. Keep talking. Keep talking. <laughs> But, but I'll, I'll try and find some more for you, Steve. I'll try and find some more. But you are completely true that I think people always think it's going to be easy and then it's not, but it's the ability. So I have massive respect for, say, Ash, if she's still watching on YouTube, that actually with, you know, when people say they get lucky or whatever, it's the hustle and the grind that happens and you do, be it a live podcast or whatever, mm. that, for instance, you might not even know that anyone's watching, but they are. And so the first time I ever discovered Asha King, basically I was driving to Aberdeen because I was still working for an oil and gas company at the time. And I put on her podcast and I could just tell this girl had talent. I'd seen her around once or twice, but nothing. But the point is she didn't know I existed, but I'd started to see stuff. So mm. all of the work and you're dropping your shoulders, trying to get that boulder going, there will be people watching, willing you on. And also, I don't know about you, that when you see someone that's earlier on in their business journey compared to say where you are now, I don't know about you, but I, I want to help them. I, it's that balance of just, I appreciate how hard it is. I think there's like hundred percent. Like you definitely do. You also just kind of, a lot of the time, there's not a lot you can physically do because they need to be able to do it themselves. So you're literally just going to be like, a, you can do it, just keep doing it. And you'll kind of get there a lot of the time. Um, but it never feels like it when you're in the middle of the difficult thing, mm-hmm. you, you know, but the bits that you look back at and, and the people that when they look, when you chat to people at dinner party or whatever, and you talk through the whole thing, the bits that people like, it's, it's that Rocky story, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. like they want to see where you were like down and out and the hard bits in the graft. It kind of, it, it loses its, I don't know, but, but it's dying a little bit when it's all easy and, yeah. you've got money to play with and things like that because one of the things that let's say on the money side to it is almost that, yeah for the first six months eight months you're trying to make it work that you're not you're losing money mm. but actually when you get to the point where <clears throat> you've got almost the money becomes the oxygen if you can generate cash that then you can put back in and then you can burn that to go more but it's hard to get to that point mm. um but also like one of the things i realized is that you know i know some people that are quite well off and i know that if i had 30 million quid in the bank I would still be doing this exact same thing that I'm doing now and I wouldn't be any happier, but it's almost what I I love because I'm just a really difficult, awkward person. I like the challenge and I like the fact that even like, do you think about the business? I know you have multiple businesses, but almost like day in, day out. Is it, is your mind always ticking away? Love it. Love it. I've been saying a few times recently, I feel like I'm addicted to, addicted to the whole thing now because I've, 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 
I worry that one day I might not have all these different things to try and think about. And, and um, I read a book recently, you can ask me what the title is, and I can't remember what it was, but it's a guy who was um, Michael Jordan's coach. Yeah, uh, it's called Relentless or Winning. There's two, there's Winning and Relentless, and I can't remember which one it was. I've got it. both and I can't remember either. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a, there's a bit in that where he talks about the dark side, um, and it's where you wake up in the morning at two o'clock in your bed, and you've got, effectively in your head, you've got tons of people around your bed. And you it's Tim Grover. Yeah. And um, that's it, yeah. And um, and that that's true, like I do. I lie in bed on a Tuesday night and think about things. But in a weird sort of way, I really enjoy it. Like it's this moment of absolute solitude and quietness where you can think things. And then you come in and you have conversations with someone and they don't really get what you're on about. But it's because you've, you've done so much more thinking on this before they have. You know, you're three, four hours into the thought process mm -hmm. on this particular thing and you've got them back at square one and you're trying to get them to understand square 75 of this process or whatever, and they're just not there with you because they haven't done the thinking that you've put into it. And that, that's that's where I think that you get like a little win is those times when you're up at two in the morning thinking about things and other people are sleeping. Almost, I love it when almost I get exposed via books or podcasts or whatever to just ideas and I'll come across something. I'm like, fucking hell, that's good. And then mm -hmm. I'll, I'll send myself an email so I don't forget. And then I came in this morning, I had nine emails off myself from over the weekend that then I write down and basically it's ways that I just want to absolutely destroy my competition it's yeah. not even like a, a joke thing I want to rip them apart but like the, the, the fun thing is for me it's just it's I see it as a game yeah. you know I look at the my you know competitors and I'm just thinking okay well they've got really high fixed overhead so how can I smash that how can I do and yeah. it's, just, it's I love the challenge I think I'd never actually give up but you're you know much further ahead than I am but yeah well I don't know but like the, 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 the thing for me is like what you just go back to something if you have 30 million quid in the bank you'd still be doing exactly what you're doing right now which i would do in the same you know um and i think for me the difference there is separation like like what's to use accounting terminology by the way separating what's like a balance sheet exercise where you may be going you're going to use your 30 million quid in some way and go and do something mm -hmm. or what's a profit and loss like your daily transactional kind of like business transactions like those two are completely separate things. And you might use stuff on your balance sheet to try and help your profit and loss, but ultimately like the day-to-day -day thing, mm -hmm. like what is the thing that you're doing that's increasing the either the size of the transactions that you're doing or the, the frequency of the transactions that you're doing? Like what is the thing there to help kind of build that P&L side of the business up? And I think that's for me why I would probably echo exactly what you said. No matter what's on my balance sheet, I'm still going to be here trying to like figure out this profit and loss thing and, and like how do you grow that side of things mm -hmm. i think it wouldn't really change anything at all um and i still get to play golf with work anyway so i'm i'm all right you know I'm so how right. did you get into property um so a really good friend of mine who i actually met playing golf a guy called dale smith who set up a company called host and stay that manages holiday lets and they're based out of north yorkshire saltburn um He's, I mean, he's done a fantastic job. He's got a brilliant, brilliant business there. He'd actually be a fantastic uh, okay. podcast guest for you, by the way. Like, really interesting guy. Um, and, I mean, he just doesn't sleep at all, you know. Um, and he's grown this business fantastically well, you know, a great business over the last four or five years. And he decided he wanted to franchise mm -hmm. in 
about three years ago. And another friend of mine, a chap called Andrew Biggs, he, he was kind of looking for something new to go with. So I was like, come on, I'll buy the franchise, you run it and away we go. And it grew really nicely over, you know, two years through COVID. Like we, we started that business in January, 2020. I mean, it was the, most, the worst time for starting a holiday like management business I think you could ever see. Um, but Andrew, being a, like a fantastically driven human being that he is, he managed to get that to, I think it was like 140 properties or something like that wow. that we were looking at. So we've actually just sold it all nice. about two weeks ago. So we, we you know, we moved out. So now you've it. got the 30 million quid in the bank. You can start. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but that kind of journey into the holiday let management thing started up conversations about holiday lets and service accommodation. And then it was kind of like a natural kind of, progression into the into the property management thing ourselves and i'm still kind of fledgling in that mm. really um but you know if i had a bit more time on my hands and i didn't have businesses to run i might go and spend a little bit more time in it but i was gonna um, say what kind of similarities have you found between the two you said before about how almost your different business interests there's still a lot of things that kind of tie them together yeah like I mean, my, my interest is the business side of things. Like I understand a lot about web design development. I understand a lot about project management. Um, uh, and I understand a lot about the digital marketing, but I've got a strategy manager here who knows a damn sight more than I do. And I've got an operations manager here that knows a damn sight more about project management than I do. I've got developers that can actually develop websites. I mean, I could never do that. So for me, it was always the business side of things that I found really fascinating. And, but, and the great thing about that is, and that's very transferable skills, you know, the management stuff, the leadership stuff, the organizational stuff, the accountability things, KPIs, like all of that kind of stuff, all is very transferable. Um, and the other real, like, great learning thing for me is, you know, WD's grown steadily, slowly, over time, incrementally. You know, I've learned along with it. Sometimes I've been ahead of it, sometimes I've been behind it, but essentially we've kind of come to the same stage. So I come in the office here and everything's really rosy. Everyone's just like really happy and taking the mick out of each other and really nice place to be. Sometimes I'll go over at a property is unique and host and stay and it would, it would be a bit more chaotic and a bit busy. Um, so you don't actually realize the things that you're doing well when there's not a problem, it's like if you haven't got a sore knee, you don't think about your knee, your knee starts hurting, you start thinking about it. So you don't see the things that you do well until they're not going well. Uh, and now, you know, properties you need, a lot neater and tidier. We've got, you know, everything kind of squared away. What's really interesting, there's some things over there that's actually better than, mm -hmm. than in white digital now. And you're starting to see how it can move back the other way as well. So it's just a continual learning thing where you just nicking little ideas from over there and trying it in there basically you know so it's it's been a really good learning curve for me to have those two different and ones like this is very b2b mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know like it's very much like who like how well do you know people what's your your brand how strong is your brand how well networked are you that sort of thing whereas property is unique it does have the b2b element in the relationship with the owners but it also has the B2C element where you're trying to find guests and, and so on and so forth. So it's quite interesting to have that B2C marketing game as well, which is, I think, a little bit of an easier game to play than the B2B marketing game. But Almost with from a, a business strategy point of view, the fact that you've diversified your risk into different sectors, different mm -hmm. audiences, different you know, B2B, it mm -hmm. makes perfect sense. And especially if you can kind of make it work and you enjoy it. Yeah. That's the only thing. And what's the dream? Where do you want to be in 10 years' time? It's a really good question, Matt. And that, you know, Everyone always likes you need to have a five year goal and you need to have ten year goals and all that. You kind don't of need stuff. to, but I just no, but, you know, you, you like watch personal development or read personal development or have a dream board and all this kind of stuff, you know. And 
in a weird sort of way, I don't, you know, like, um, you know, I suppose I have a goal, like I, I want to, you know, be financially independent and like all that kind of stuff, which I think most people are probably going to say, you know, financial independence is probably going to be a thing for a lot of people and have a nice house and be able to afford a nice car and go on nice holidays and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, I really enjoy what I do now. I actually feel like I wake up most days and I feel like I'm probably one of the luckiest people on the planet because I get to go out every day and feel like I'm playing a game every day now. So I kind of, I'm kind of quite happy and as long as growth carries on mm-hmm. i feel like growing is part of the enjoyment of life mm-hmm. i think if you when you stop growing and you stagnate i think that's where unhappiness starts setting in you know like if you're waking up an everyday's groundhog day it's no wonder that you're going to feel a little bit maybe not as motivated as you were if you were kind of feeling like you were going somewhere and it's that like you know definition of success is a progressive realization of a worthy ideal like as long as you're progressively realizing something that you think is kind of like a worthy thing to be like pursuing, then you're going to be quite fulfilled through that. So as long as I feel like I'm moving forward all the time, uh, I'm quite happy, but you know, I might just, I could have just thrown a private jet in there or a yacht <laughs> or something. That might've been an easier, shorter answer, but yeah. See, I was letting you talk. So it was more knowledge nuggets that you were just yeah. throwing out. It was brilliant. It was, that was my little salt bay impression when I saw the, but honestly, uh, but it's just fascinating. Just, as long as you enjoy it, that's the main thing. I think uh, so. Can I ask you about defibrillators? Yeah, you can. Because yeah. we have some mutual friends. Uh, yeah, Western Recruitment are one of my kind of yeah. customers. So I went through Ashley and the team at Western and stuff. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell people about the initiative, how it came about and what you've been doing? Yeah, I mean, it was actually down to my old marketing manager, Chloe Page, uh, who's now at the arena. So shout out, shout out to Caroline Ganan at the arena for pinching her off me, by the way. Only if we but, get some free tickets for stuff. Otherwise, we'll cut it out. <laughs> I've tried that. I've tried. I think I've burnt that bridge. I've worn that out, I think, now, you know. Uh, so it was actually down to Chloe. Uh, it was a really good idea f- from her. I can't really remember the actual origin of that idea, to be honest with you. But originally, we were going to try and put one on the outside of our office. Mm-hmm. But then in the process of kind of answering all the questions, you have to answer after you have a bright idea we realized actually Darlington Town Centre is really well serviced for, for defibs. So it wouldn't have really got much value out of it. So Chloe actually, or I, I can't remember who it was now, put a little post out on LinkedIn just saying, you know, like we have this defib, we want to put it somewhere of value. Does anybody want it? And Ashley put her hand up straight away and they've got their own story with needing a defib and not having a defib and all that kind of stuff. And so she, was, she put her hand up and away we went with it. And then I think about two months after it went in, it got Seems used. To, yeah. Um, which is just unbelievable. Because actually that's on the outside of my wall out here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course it is, yeah. But, yeah. but it's just it's that beauty of just um the right place, the right time. But it's well intentioned stuff that adds value to the community and it's in like because that's I've never I don't believe saved anyone's life, but in in a way you have, you know, doing that and yeah. it's so, so cool. Yeah, and it is. And like, I think that's the thing there. So one of the big things, it's that like provision of value thing, you know, like, so you look at that, um, that DFib is a thing, you know, like, so obviously we want to try and get some value back out of it by way of like some good PR or having done a nice thing and maybe have something that we can shout about and talk about. So there's maybe some value coming back to us. The DFib provider people, they were paid whatever it was for the DFib, you know, so they got value out of it and managed to sell a DFib. Um, Ashley and Westray, they managed, you know, they gave up their piece of their wall or whatever just outside of your office so that they could have that on there. So 
you know, they could actually manage to get something, maybe get some, some good press out of it as well and maybe do something nice. And then actually ultimately it ends up getting used and potentially saving someone's life at the end as well. So there's like at no stage in any of that process is anyone not won. Mm-hmm. Everybody's won out of just doing that one little thing, you know. So that for me is like a perfect example of like business doing the thing that business should be doing and doing good for everybody that yeah. it touches really, you know. Yeah, cool. um, so really good example of a multi-winner. But one of the things I've, I've really enjoyed because I didn't know like your school history and getting expelled and kind of going to uni and college and then kind of going to take about on a beach in Egypt for a little bit and coming back and playing golf and, yeah. but it's, it's that kind of journey that people often worry you know that if you um you know drop out of uni or whatever mm. is your life over and it's it's not it's just about finding the the opportunities to grow and what's the next thing and just find your own feet I guess it's so important it is <sighs> If I, if I was being brutally honest the whole way through the caddying thing, even when I got turned into quite a good caddy and I was actually earning decent money from it and stuff like that, I was never really happy, if I'm brutally honest about it. You know, I was never really, I was okay at it. And in a lot of ways, I really fit like I was a perfect fit. In other ways, I just really didn't fit. And I was never really happy. And funnily enough, now, um, even when I went broke and I had to borrow some money and I had to get a job in the pub, at least I felt like I was doing something on my own back, you know, and it was brutal and all the rest of it, but there was a, you know, it was kind of okay. So I suppose it's that progressive realization of a worthy ideal thing. Um, but yeah, I think it's just a case of like, I don't know, at least if you're doing something off your own back and you've actually got a way to do it. And as soon as you've got that kind of goal, it doesn't really matter. There's a couple of books behind me there, but one of them's a book called The Power of Now by a chap called Eckhart Tolle. I don't know if you've ever read it or whatever, you're nodding, so I assume. No, I'm, I'm, it's an active listening technique. I'm just nodding to say I'm listening. It's nodding away. It's, 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 a hundred, it's pretty much my like most recommended book. I mean, I actually listen to more books than I read these days because I spend so much time in the car. But that's kind of like a very Buddhist kind of philosophy. Um, and a, a lot of it's like, you know, like treating like success and failure just the same and kind of having like a very steady kind of like emotional and mental state of the whole thing. And I think that's one thing that I've kind of taken with me because you are going to have like ups and downs. Like it's a hundred percent. If it feels good now, it is going to get worse. Like this too shall pass or whatever the saying is, you know, like if it's good now, it's going to get bad. And if it's bad now, it's also going to get good quite soon. You just have to wait it out a little bit, you know? Um, and I think that having an ability to just be able to be unemotional and semi-detached from the mm-hmm. winning or the losing of the whole thing, I think that kind of helps you kind of ride it out a little bit. Yeah, cool. As a seamless segue. So you will be good at podcasts. It's just you're nailing this. It's brilliant. Um, I mentioned before we kind of came on that there's various kind of things I like to try and bring into every podcast, just some like consistency. Yeah. And for me, this is almost like the most valuable bit because I get to learn from people's advice and different stuff. And actually just, I enjoy it is 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 cool and would you be happy to share what's the best piece of advice you've ever had yeah um actually it's tough to nail it down to one because you I can think, have more than one if you're anyway. can i have more than one i'm going to take two off you if that's okay if i may i'm trying to get up to 10 minute video clip youtube clip here that's the goal so i'm going to try and take as many as i can i think there's um so, so the the two the two main things for me have both come out of books uh, the first one came out of a book called The Science of Getting Rich by a guy called Wallace D. Wattles. It was written in like 1892 or something like that. So it's a really old book. And it's actually quite sexist. And the name's terrible. The title's terrible, especially in the modern age where being rich is like 
or frowned upon or whatever. But there's a, it's a really good book. It's definitely worth a listen or a read or whatever. And there's a bit in that where it's, you know, it's, it's a case of, you know, like achieving any kind of goal is essentially guaranteed as long as you have more successful actions in the achievement of that goal than unsuccessful actions in the achievement of that goal. And, it's, and as soon as you kind of understand that, it kind of makes sense that, you know, as long as you're compounding successful actions on top of each other over a period of time, even if you're like the most unlucky person on the planet, eventually just it has to end up working out. So then the whole thing kind of comes back to like, okay, how many successful actions am I having in a day or in a week or in a month or whatever that thing is? So then you start having a look at how you're actually measuring what or recording what actions you're taking. Now I'm not like a really fastidious person, so it's not, I'm not going to note every single one down, but you know, I have a few things that I try and use to like ensure that I'm having more successful actions in any given day than unsuccessful. And then I can kind of sign that day off and say, okay, that was a successful day. And then if I have more successful days in a week than a successful week and so on and so forth. And I think that was the thing for me that, you know, like allows you to go, okay, I cocked that one up. But that was an unsuccessful action. Like if you can measure that against three successful actions that you've had in that given, that given day, then you can kind of accept cocking one up and move on and not really worry about it too much. You know, I feel like golf. Very much. Well, it's a great metaphor for life, you know, stage golf. There's a lot of good things to be done at, to get out of golf, but we won't get to a whole podcast. You've never seen me play golf, Doug. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll learn a lot about you from playing golf with you, though, you know? You probably will. Um, so it is very much like golf. It's a case of compounding. If you hit a bad shot, just don't compound it with another bad one. Go and have a good one after it, you know? Uh, so that's so that's a big thing for me. And then my second one is uh, actually out of a, a book by Rob Moore, who's a big property guy. He's an interesting chap, and you'll probably have seen him because he loves smashing stuff all over the social media and everything. And um, he wrote a book on money, uh, which I, I read slash listened to. Can't really remember now. And it, one of the main questions that is like, what is money? Mm-hmm. And he was the the most easy definition for it is that it's a store of value. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's really interesting, really. So you can kind of say that, you know, you go back to, well, you can kind of go back to what you were saying a, a little while ago there about, you know, when you get a little bit bigger and you've got money that you can actually use to kind of invest in different places. Um, so it basically means if you've got some money stored in value, you can use that money to go and mm-hmm. get someone to provide you some value that you mm-hmm. can go out and use elsewhere in the world, you know. So the, the real easy sum for that for me is just if you want more money coming this way towards you you need to provide more value to the world that way and money will come back in the Mm -hmm. opposite direction and all the profit and loss really is a difference between the value that you or your company or your businesses provide the world minus the amount of work value the world provides you or your businesses and the bit in the middle should be your profit so if you're providing the world more value than your your, your, the world's providing you, you'll make some profit in the top. And I think that really, for me, the two things about compounding successful actions over time mm-hmm. and understanding the provision of value and managing fair exchange, that then basically means that if every deal you do, there is a fair exchange of value mm-hmm. and it's measured and you compound those on one on top of the other on top of the other over a period of time, success like has to or profitability uh, or a successful business has to be the result of that, as long as you compound that over a long enough period of time. And I think the difference there is some people don't realise how long that has to be. Sometimes you know, or when you they spend the money on the wrong stuff. Yeah, or spend spending, and you've got to accept that you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have unsuccessful actions in that, 
or you know, and, and that's going to slow things down. And if you want it really quickly, you just have to have more mm-hmm. more successful actions managing fair exchange, you know, value exchange through fair exchange more in a given day, given time, you'll get there a little bit quicker. Uh, and I think that for me was kind of a real turning point because it it allowed me to, to understand that in any deal, I have to be just as careful that the other person's getting a win. Mm-hmm. As, as I'm getting a win and you don't know if that other person's looking after your side as well as they're looking after your side, but you can know that you're looking after both sides. Like you can know that you're making sure that they're getting a win and you can also make sure that you're getting fair exchange on your side as well. And I think if you can, you manage both of those and you compound that successful actions over time, it's very hard to go wrong yeah. on a long enough timeline. Was it one of the things I have on my desk? I have a, I can't reach it from here, but it's a photo frame. And basically with the course, we call them lead actions, but it's all the things I know where I want to be in five, 10 years time. And one of them, basically I have a list of things about 12 different things. And if I do one of those every day, it's exactly what you're saying, but you know, they're quite strategic. I'm going to get to where I want to be. And one of them is inviting people to be on the podcast. And it's that kind of thing of when it's a Tony Robbins thing, but almost I set the standard that I do this as long as I can every Monday. And then in time, in five years time, it might be quite popular, but it's that kind of thing of the more you can actually track down, like going to the gym, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's, it's important. So many sports yeah. metaphors. There's a, there's a, so Johnny, in Johnny Wilkinson's book, uh, he has, he has a thing where he, he imagines that there's a film crew following him around and they're filming his entire day. And at the end of every day, he has to sit down and sign off his day in his head and say, okay, I had enough kicks at goal and I did enough whatever and I lifted enough weights in the gym and he has to sign his day off. So I kind of pinch that a little bit. That's funny. And uh, I, I have a diary where every morning I have to write out my to-do list and set three main things that I'm going to do that day. And if I achieve those three main things, I'm allowed to sign the day off. And if I don't, then I'm not. And I don't do that every day because sometimes I get caught up with stuff and I forget about it and I don't beat myself up about it. But as long as I do it more days than I don't, mm-hmm. you know, then I've got a good chance of getting there. And I think depending on the personality type, you know, and I'm a little bit more big picture and, and mm-hmm. like protagonist than I am like a, than an analyst or anything like that, then just enough to, to kind of fit your personality types right or seems to be right to me anyway. Yeah, oh, cool. The other question I like to ask is if you were to give advice to your younger self, and it could be the lad that got expelled from school, it could be the guy at Leeds, it could be a guy trying to flog surfboards in Egypt, or even you when you were at the pub when you thought you'd run out of money. If you were to give advice to your younger self, what would it be? Um, I'd probably say just don't worry so much, to be honest with you. Um, and like the main thing about starting white digital is that, like i said i was never really happy in all those kind of roles before so i wanted to provide an environment where people actually enjoy coming to work and they weren't clock watching and you know but and i think all the things that go into that is like you know feeling comfortable about your income and feeling comfortable about the workplace and knowing that you're going to be respected and trusted and and all that kind of thing um and it's, it was, and really, I realised one day that it was really all about alleviating worry for people. You know, like it's like making sure that Mark, my lead developer, he's not stressed because he's got too much work on, or he doesn't know what project he's working on on Tuesday at two o'clock. Like everything really is is in an effort to alleviate worry. And I think that's probably the same with most things that we do. To be honest with you, is all in an effort to alleviate worry. And I think the things that I worried about was that 
you know, I wasn't going to make it or that I wasn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do or why I wasn't motivated to do better at this thing or I wasn't, and, and I worried about everything all of the time. Um, but then funny enough, when I kind of got to an age where I was ready, which lucky enough wasn't as old as I could have been, although if I'm going to beat myself up, it was still too late in my life. I wish I'd started when I was 18 rather than 28 or whatever, but tis what it is. Um, but yeah, just I wish I didn't worry so much. So just maybe have a little bit of faith that, you know, if you compound successful actions over a long enough period of time, it's very hard to cock it up. So just don't worry because you'll get there eventually. Yeah, that's cool. Is there anything you would like to talk about or plug before we go? Um, plugging stuff. I mean, if you need a new website, well, you know, great team down in Darlington. If you're looking for accommodation in Newcastle because you're working up there, property is unique place to give a call. Or if you've got a property in Newcastle and you want to see if you can make a little bit more money out of it, property is unique also a call. Uh, and then we'll obviously have you as a guest on our podcast, even we're up and running. But, you know, keep keep your eye out for the Cellar Room sessions, hopefully. So that'll be no, cool. is that the name is that the exclusive i think so that's the exclusive Ashley might tell me off for dropping that bomb it's, there, but, yeah, but yeah. nobody watches anyway it's fine but, the, <laughs> but it's a good name it's it's yeah, it's nice it's it's cool yeah. but anyway but like almost bang on the hour i was checking my clock I, yeah, i've yeah. actually really enjoyed um kind of just talking and catching up and learning something about you that i didn't know and it's that's for me is the beauty of podcast and long-form content where actually you can dig a little bit deeper to find out stuff in egypt and you go off on tangents and whatever because actually that's how you almost build relationships people and get a vibe off them and it, I, I do think that they have their own special place as well as eight second instagram boof, yeah. you know i think there is yeah, a place yeah. that people essentially like doing business and work with people that they kind of know and I've really enjoyed kind of catching up. So just for your benefit and for anyone else that is kind of watching or listening, these all get clipped up and go onto YouTube and you'll probably see a highlights clip on LinkedIn in a few days. Um, but no, Doug, honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time. Um, absolute pleasure. Thank you. Stay in touch. Me. And um, yeah, I'll see you soon. Thank you. No worries. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye.